The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It's 10 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the show. For our health feature today, we're talking about prescriptions. Uh, and Dr. Mohamed Dalwai, who is co-founder and chief product officer at M Guidance, is going to be with us for the next half hour. Dr. Dalwai, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Hi, good morning, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. So there seem to be a number of issues that are cropping up when it comes to traditional prescriptions. What are the problems that you have have picked up? So, you know, I, I think traditional prescriptions, they, there's a host of challenges with it. So they're having, if you think about the current state of affairs with having a paper script, uh, people, patients lose the paper script. Um, they won't be able to, you know, always kind of find the original one back. Um, I, I hate to say this as, as, a, as a medical doctor, but sometimes our, our, our writing is not always um, um, the best uh, handwriting. So there's handwriting issues, and these all translate into possible medication errors, uh, either a dispensing error or a, a prescription error for the doctor. Um, we also have the challenge of when the doctor actually writes it on a piece of paper, they don't always know exactly if these medications are going to be covered by your medical scheme. They don't really know how much the script is going to cost you. And that kind of cost effectiveness and cost awareness is also a challenge for our current system of scripting. So I think there's a, there's a host of challenges around it. And then if you take it one step further in terms of the legal issues, and the challenges of abuse and fraudulent scripts, that also adds another layer of challenges that are currently being faced by the industry um, at the moment. Some of these issues that you talk about, I mean, uh, you reference the, the bad handwriting of doctors. That's always been seen as just the way the doctors write. Um, big enough for it to be industry-wide issues? Uh, definitely. You know, I, I think that, um, there's always going to be challenges around um, understanding and deciphering that. And it's, you know, it's going to come up over and over again. Sometimes medication names are very similar to each other. If it's difficult to read, um, there's actually pharmacy WhatsApp groups where they are help, trying to help each other decipher the doctor's handwriting. And all of that creates an inefficiency in time. They need to then phone the doctor and call uh, and check with the healthcare worker, look, uh, is this the correct medication? Is this what you're actually referring to? There's differences in trade names and active ingredients. So, you know, that is one of the, 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 the challenges of, um, of, of sources for medication error. And obviously, as I've mentioned, there are a lot of other challenges with the current way of writing a paper prescription out so in as far as then when it comes to the effects that you have seen where um, there are problems with um, legibility or being able to actually make out what uh, a doctor is, is prescribing, how severe would you say some of the consequences have been when it comes to incorrect medication then being given out? So the, you know, the data for that is uh, quite scarce within South Africa. 
uh, the WHO has published sometimes up to 50 to 80% medication errors um, on uh, prescriptions. This is not all related to, um, you know, difficult to, to decipher um, handwriting, but it's a host of challenges around um, errors that can come about from, you know, current paper scripts. Um, and again, like I said, it's a host of other challenges, not from only the handwriting and the deciphering. So, um, you know, making sure that you have the right dose and the right medication, but all the way through to fraudulent scripts and abuse of, uh, of, of, uh, of scripts that are happening in South Africa, especially around our schedule sources and our um, control substances. One of the things that, that happens often when uh, people go to to get medication at pharmacies, etc., the pharmacist will ask you, um, do you want the original or do you want a generic version of this medication? And often you're told that it doesn't make a difference. They both sort of do the same thing. Is that something that you you also think needs to be looked at? So I, I think creating a cost-effective health ecosystem is always important, and um, as well as maintaining the autonomy of the patient. And I think that the challenge that you have is those conversations also need to be happening earlier on in the chain. So when the doctor, when you're sitting with the doctor and they are prescribing a medication, whether it's the originator uh, or a generic, that conversation needs to happen at that time. You need Your doctor needs to be able to understand, look, can you actually afford the originator? And in most cases, sometimes the originator is a bit more expensive than a generic. And you you know, you need to then have a conversation up front with your patient of going, can you afford this medication? Because it's about compliance and about adherence. You want to make sure if the patient can't afford an originator, um, they're not going to take the medication and that's going to have adverse impacts on their health. So you want to make sure that the patient is bought into the amount of money that they would have to spend on the script. Is there a co-payment or no co-payment? Is the patient happy with that? And if there's legitimate reasons from the doctor's perspective on why they really want you to have an originator or a generic from a specific company, that's when they can have that conversation as they write it out. And I think what the system allows is that visibility for the doctor to one, see the actual single exit price or the cost of that medication, as well as to be able to compare that to some of the other generics that are available and then be able to have that conversation with the patient as they prescribe and say, look, I'm going to give you X. Uh, it is a bit more expensive, but I like this brand a bit better. I think it works because of A, B, and C. Or you know what? I have a great experiences with just this generic drug and this generic brand, and I really want you to be able to utilize this. Are you happy with this kind of a pricing? And that conversation should be happening between the doctor and the patient. So when they get to the pharmacy, it's an easier and smoother experience. One one of the things that uh, you as M Guidance have done is develop a, a digital platform um, that will assist doctors and pharmacists in terms of optimizing just patient care outcomes. Tell us more about this platform. Is it just about digitizing your prescription or your script that that somebody gets, or or, or, or does it do more than that? 
So at the moment, so EM Guidance is really this clinical and information platform, and it's been used. It's designed for healthcare workers, and it's been used by over fifty thousand healthcare workers across South Africa. What we've created, and this is really our first step into creating a tool for doctors in their rooms, is a digital prescription, and making sure that the digital prescription is actually an intelligent prescription and helps the doctor when they're making decisions and empowers the doctor to make a better decision for their patient. And we do this through a number of ways. One is really improving the clinical intelligence. So when they put in the dose, we ensure that it's actually the correct dose according to the package insert. We ensure that um, there's no interactions between the drugs when they put it onto the prescription. Um, we also ensure that they are aware of the cost of that drug as well as whether there are maybe cheaper alternatives or genetics. Um, and then from a legal perspective, we ensure that they sign the script using something called an advanced electronic signature that makes then a digital script fully compliant with the legislation within South Africa. And that really is what we've done with Prescribit and been able to then launch Prescribit and, and see the usage of that. How is the system sort of secure um, because already I can foresee a scenario where people um, you know are coming up with scripts digital scripts and and in fact earlier I was telling the listeners about this often when you go to a pharmacy and you have a digital copy of your script they don't accept it they want the original mm. no no and, and and this is the, the the challenge and I think we must differentiate here between the digital transmission of a script, of a mm. paper script, mm. and a official, a legitimate electronic prescription. And I think the difference is, so if you think about it, you could take a picture of a paper script and you could then send it via WhatsApp. That's a digital transmission of a script. Yeah, yeah. Or your doctor could have maybe an electronic health record and then send you a Word doc of your script. And again, or even as a PDF, that is really a digital transmission of a prescription. That doesn't make it a, a legitimate original prescri prescription. And according to the legislation, there are two ways that a script can be deemed as the original script. One is what we are commonly used to, which is a wet ink signature. So the doctor prints it out, signs it, and then gives it to the patient. That is the original script. The other original script, is when you, uh, a doctor signs it using an advanced electronic signature. And this then helps us identify exactly who the doctor is, ensures that that doctor is allowed to actually prescribe uh, and is um, a, a legitimate healthcare worker, as well as um, are then able to send that to the, the patient. But then you, you, you rightly mentioned another challenge, which is if I give you a digital script, how do I now know that you haven't sent it to five different pharmacies? Because that is a, is a concern from many of our pharmacist colleagues. And what we've then built with Prescribit is a immutable trackable history where any pharmacy in South Africa will be able to see what um, or who the patient sent it to. And the patient never actually has that script. So it's never a, transmission, a digital transmission of a script. It's a request to our prescriber system to be able to send that script to the pharmacy on their behalf. And the pharmacies will then be able to see, actually, wait a minute, this patient sent it only to me, and now I'm happy to dispense it. 
or this patient has sent it to five other pharmacies and that history is all trackable on our platform. But would the patient still be able to, to access it? So what the patient can access is a patient's uh, view of that script. And they'll be able to then see the medications, the dosages, et cetera. But that is a, a patient view. That's not the legitimate script. And they will be able to, they won't be able to print it out or screenshot it because it is uh, secured with a watermark. Uh, what they can do is be able to uh, um, request the, the, the platform to send that to a pharmacy of their choice. And we really have thought about how do you create the autonomy for the patient? So instead of now the doctor saying, okay, who do you want to go to? And then locking it down to that pharmacy, the system now allows the patient to say, actually, you know what, for this month, if I ever repeat, I would like to go to X pharmacy. And actually, you know what, I had such a bad experience at X pharmacy. Next month, I want to go to Y pharmacy. And the system then allows all the pharmacies, irrespective of what corporate they are or uh, if they're a small independent pharmacy, to be able to access that script and understand, you know, the journey of that script from a security perspective. Mm. And that's how we've really kind of thought about how do you create autonomy for the patient and actually not just digitize an existing system, but fundamentally make it better for all the stakeholders. There are also people who, who like to keep their scripts, um, uh, Mohammed, and and sort of mm. could track what they what's been prescribed, and and it's always easier when one has has paper. And yes, I know you know that we are living in an in an era where most people have access to phones. However, most people don't have access to smartphones per se, and so that of course limit mm. it limits. Um, you know, consumer usage in terms of what they would be able uh, to access, even if it, it was on an app. Exactly. And, you know, it's really about going, how do you create technology that is accessible to all? Because fundamentally, that's kind of the key purpose and, and makes everybody um, improve their life. So, you know, on the, on, the, on the side of a paper script, obviously we want to save the trees and we want to ensure that we're not printing out more than we really need to. So the people that want to accept it digitally, they can. I think for some of our doctors that we have on board already, they, they have brought up this thing, you know, some of my patients really just still want to leave with something in mm. their hand. They still mm. need a piece of paper at the end of a consultation because then they feel like, okay, I got something from the doctor. Um, what we allow the doctor then to do is print out a small preview. Now, this is not a script and this is not a valid script, but it's a preview of all the medicines that the doctor has said that they want to be able to script for you. And if you take that into any pharmacy that is participating with us, and we have the majority of pharmacies across the country already on the system, you can take that into one of the, the pharmacies and they'll be able to then pull your script from the cloud and issue and dispense your script. So you as the patient still have a piece of paper if you want. Um, and, you know, initially you're still going to have this happening for people that don't have access to smartphones or for people that want a piece of paper. But if you think about the long arc of the world over the next five to 10 years, that is almost going to disappear completely. Um, and this is really the first steps towards that. All right. I want to play this voice note question for you, um, Dr. Mohammed. 
Hi, Kathy. It's Erica from Buffalo City. I'm a professional nurse and um, I work in a retirement residence. And one of my residents uh, had an oxygen saturation of 76. He had emphysema. He was gasping at the time. It also had pneumonia. He was very, very ill indeed, had serious arrhythmias. So I phoned his medical aid because it said we had to check before we send a patient by ambulance. And they asked for time, for authorization to get an ambulance. And when I asked them how long it would take, they couldn't tell me. They thought it might take some hours. Um, that's an absolutely impossible situation. I'm going to mention the name of the medical aid. I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I'm going to anyway. It was Moto Health. In the end, uh, we couldn't wait. I just said, no, it's an absolutely impossible situation. And the patient's wife got, a, uh, we got another ambulance um, and, uh, and they just paid cash for it. But that's absolutely insane that you should have to wait for authorization to get an ambulance. Never heard of such a thing before. Anyway, have a wonderful day, and thank you very much for your programs. Bye. All right. Th thanks for, for that experience. Yeah, Dr. Muhammad, do you come across that often? Um, so I can't comment specifically on that, um, that case, but, you know, we, we have experienced the authorizations in the medicine space. So when you prescribe, if the uh, medication is not being authorized yet, the patient has a delay in actually attaining that care or that medication. And it's a very similar to the story where there is a delay in attaining that care that that patient needs. And what we have started doing within the prescribed system is really work with uh, the medical schemes to say, how can you make that more efficient? So instead of the ping pong between, you know, now the patient got a digital script then they would have to submit it to their medical scheme. Then the medical scheme would have to give approval. Then they would have to go to the pharmacy. Is can we create an efficiency there and actually do it digitally between the medical scheme and the pharmacy so that the patient can get access to the medication quicker and more effectively? And those are the things that we are, as we are building out the prescribed platform, we are going to continuously enhance because the key in that story was really, how do, I de how do I decrease the time to access to care? And you can do that through a multiple way of, uh, um, ways, but I think integration with those ecosystem players and creating an efficiency there is going to help all the stakeholders from an admin mm -hmm. perspective, but mm -hmm. more importantly, the patient from a time to access um, perspective. And how does it work when you have somebody who's going to collect a script on behalf of somebody else? So, you know, we have that uh, experience already happening currently. Uh, you know, my wife will go fetch a script for me or I'll have to send, uh, you know, a, a family member. And a lot of it has to do with, um, again, depending on the type of medication that is being prescribed, the pharmacist really has to make a decision when they put away, when they dispense that medication. And so the, the system allows that patient to, you know, to, um, to send that script to the pharmacy. And when the patient comes through to be able to show some form of identification of the person's name who is on the script to ensure that this is not just a fraudulent script, but um, that it's actually in fact for a family member or for someone that, uh, that, you, that you do know. And I think the difficulty is really around at the pharmacy level, it's quite uh, difficult. It's super busy. 
Uh, patients are, are, are always there and they really want to be helped quickly. And pharmacists are put in very difficult positions where they are concerned about fraud and abuse, but they also want to ensure that access to care and um, making sure that patients get the right medication. Um, and the legislation allows for pharmacists to be able to make that dispensing um, decision uh, at that point of care. All right. We're going to continue with this conversation in a moment. It's 11.30. Time for the latest news headlines. For all your medical care and needs, ask our doctors. All right, Dr. Mohamed Dalwai, co-founder and chief product officer at M Guidance. I've got a question here for you from Anonymous uh, in Cape Town who is asking, is there a possibility for this e-scripting technology to be available for the general public patient? It's a big need in this space. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, and I 100% align with that to make sure that you have as widespread adoption as possible. And what we are seeing is that some public sector doctors are using prescribed already, uh, especially for when something is maybe not on tender or not available in state, and to be able to then issue a private script for them. So we see some usage in that. I think the ultimate use would be able to get into integrated into public sector hospitals where patients could actually um, get scripts from uh, pharmacies. We are very open to that type of integration and we look forward to having these discussions with different governmental sectors as well as the different uh, government hospitals to be able to see how could this technology improve um, um, patient care for public sector patients as well. So very open to it. And we have had some initial conversations, but very keen to kind of push those conversations forward. Of course, there's also a question here around being able to check if one's doctor is part of the this digital system. Yes, 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 definitely. And, and I think that, you know, um, most electronic systems that doctors use are unfortunately not using this advanced electronic signature. And that is a key component of ensuring compliance of scripts and making sure that the script is accepted widely, especially when you have different types of schedules on the script. So, you know, if it's a high scheduled or highly controlled substance, you want to make sure that the pharmacy can easily accept that uh, using this uh, digital system. So we encourage patients to talk to their doctors about prescribe it and to ask them if they are using to prescribe it. Because I think from our anecdotal evidence from the doctors that are using it already, patients are very happy with that seamless system of being able to easily accept scripts. They don't have to keep on driving back and forth to the doctor's room to go pick up the original script. They can get it um, and it is the original script because of the AESI signature and they can then send it through to the pharmacy and the pharmacies then can dispense with them. So I think uh, time saving and ease of, um, of experience is quite a huge thing for patients uh, currently using the prescribed system. All right. I've got one last voice note question for you here, Dr. Mohammed. Sure. Good morning. So I'd just like to find out from your doctor. Um, my mom um, had a prescription, so she went to collect the medication um, and they gave her the medication, but one of the medications had a few tablets short. Um, and they said, please come back um, in a couple of days and we'll have the medication. Um, this was in two, maybe three months ago. Anyway, uh, when I did go back, 
now I, I was gonna go and collect the rest of the medication. When I got there, they told me that, you know what, uh, the company that makes the medication, I don't know if it's Pfizer or, or what, the company that makes the medication is the one that has the problem. And we can't, we can't get the medication at, at this point in time. But my mom wants the original, that the, the one that's unavailable, even though this is generic. So in that case, where it's someone else who's picking up leftover medication, for someone then how, how how would one go about that thank you yeah very practical question yeah no definitely and, and you know i think um it's faced by many people around the country where there are out of stock uh, medications or there's a discontinuation of a certain medication um the system prescribed allows the pharmacy to be able to to actually note that so when they um when the script is sent to them they can actually note on the system look there were maybe 10 tablets short of this medication that allows that patient to then go to other pharmacies and check if they maybe have that medication as one of the, the first options um and then you know i think that the the, the the other option of of using the genetic and and having that conversation with the patient to be able to say the genetics are cost effective and they are um, as effective as the originator um and being able to give access to that but the the system that we have developed actually allows the marking of when there is not enough tablets and they only dispense a certain amount and that allows you then to go maybe check at a number of other pharmacies instead of now trying to get your script back because the pharmacy can't always give your script back to you because mm. they need to keep it from a, mm. a legislative perspective. The system then allows you to then go check at other pharmacies if there's maybe um, um, you know those that specific drug for that uh, for that patient if they really want that specific brand. Maybe some of the other pharmacies have that available and they'll be able to do that immediately. Um, so that they don't have to wait for that pharmacy to get uh, stocked in again. It definitely sounds like there's a lot of efficiency um, that that the system is bringing on board. I guess it's also, you know, about getting used to uh, this kind of efficiency, right? Yes, no, no, definitely, Kathy. I think you know, as as anything, uh, as we evolve digitally, it's really about ensuring that the digital in, in enhancements actually make your life easier. Mm. And it makes your life easier, not only as a patient, but also for the other ecosystem players. And I think that a lot of technology that has been built in, especially in the health technology space, is has actually made it harder for doctors and pharmacists to do their job. It makes you fill in hundreds of different uh, fields, and it doesn't actually improve your outcome with your patient, it doesn't give you more time to talk to your patient. Um, so when we design things at EM Guidance and when we design Prescribe It, it was really focused on how do you ensure that you've made a system as efficient as possible, not only for the end user, which is your patient, but also for the, 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 the doctor and the pharmacist and make it so intelligent that it's like, oh, wow, this is really great. This is going to help them, the healthcare worker, save time um, and save, um, uh, save money. All right. Dr. Mohammed Dalwai, thank you so much for being part of the show today. Co-founder and Chief Product Officer at M Guidance. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, I think we all know what's happening on Friday. Friday is 
Youth Day. It is the 16th of June. And it is also Youth Takeover Day on SAFM. We're going to have young people that are going to be co-hosting our daytime shows this Friday. And, of course, we did send a group call to our listeners, people that wanted to come on board and be part of the shows. So uh, we're going to be announcing the winners, the co-hosts for the Talking Point this coming Friday. Onke, you're in Centurion. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Matilda, you are in Johannesburg. Hello, Matilda. Hi, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Firstly, I'm going to start by asking you guys, how are you feeling about the fact that you've made the list? You know, it was a tight competition, but you're going to be the one behind the microphone on Friday. Onke? <laughs> okay, so I was really excited when, yesterday when they called to say that I'm shortlisted. Something in me, deep down inside, said, no man, you've got this. So when I listened to the show this morning, I was already listening to how you speak and how you do things. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then when I got the final call, I was like, ah! <laughs> Look, Onke, you're, you're, you're probably going to do it better, right? I, I think that's where we should set the bar, that you're going to come and you're going to do it a lot better than I do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm hoping to learn, to learn more and more from you. <laughs> Matilda? Um, I'll be very honest. Uh, I did not expect it at all. I was very, very, very nervous. Um, I remember when I kind of entered, it was like a, my mom has the saying of do it, you, you, you lose nothing. You know, if you're interested in something, put your best foot in it and you'll see. And so when I got the call, I was kind of, I was very shocked. I was like, uh, <laughs> is this real? Or, but now I'm very excited. I really am. I think it's an, op- an excellent opportunity to talk about really important things amongst the youth. Um, so I'm really excited to delve into these topics. Uh, but overall, I'm nervous. I'll be very honest. I'm nervous. I'm just, I don't know what to expect, but I'm, I'm excited to just see how the conversation goes. Now, part of how you were shortlisted, of course, was based on the topics that you think need to mm-hmm. be discussed on a platform like SAFM um, around young people. So, Matilda, top two things on your list? Um, the first thing for me was the disparity in education between the public and private sector. Mm. So just talking about the resources that um, young children need in government-funded schools and the lack thereof and how this drastically impacts and, in fact, limits the youth. Um, but secondly of all, just... Um, black young individuals in these white dominated spaces whether that's the workplace whether it's school but how this can lead to imposter syndrome how it leads to mental health issues and essentially how to ground oneself in these spaces and how to find oneself especially if you know perhaps as a black young individual you're the first in your family Mm -hmm. um, to enter these spaces I think these are really common things that we don't speak about but I know in my space and friends around me these are stuff that we've faced Mm -hmm. um, and have had no guidance to kind of goal towards and really really important issues there and for mm. you on get top two on your list um top two on my list um the first one is the high cost of mental health in south africa you know mm. which um leads to little poor quality or no access to the economically marginalized because we can speak about mental health awareness 
education, but the truth of the matter is when we get to, okay, now you know about mental health, now you know that you have depression, but as a young person living in a township, for example, you get to a psychiatrist, psychologist, so the costs are like 1.5. Last time I was there, um, it went from 1.2 to like 1.530, and I already couldn't afford the other costs. And when it comes to, you know, state institutions, things are not the same. So we really need to have a conversation around that and not circle around the money issue. You know, awareness is there, but there's the money issue at the end of the day. Yeah. And then the second one was the growing relevance of beauty pageants as women empowerment platforms in the country. Um, As someone who's involved in beauty pageants, there are so many of them out there and the opportunities that are opening up are amazing. I mean, this past weekend, I was at a Miss Teen World pageant where they're winning scholarships and they're checking for their marks and they're winning this, they're winning that. And you know what? It's not just about the glitz and the glam anymore. It's about women empowerment and we need those spaces. All right. Well, you know what? The the competitions have certainly evolved over the years. I know we tend to focus on the national ones like Miss South Africa and Miss Teen South Africa, but there's so Mm. many more that are being held and uh, different parents, of course, have, have their own take on the impact that it has on their young people. So Onge and Matilda, you can look forward to hearing them on the radio on Friday. As you can tell, they're incredibly excited and it's going to be an absolute honor for us to have them as our youth takeover presenters. On that note, it is where we end off the show for today. I will be back with you again tomorrow. It's time to hand you over to the book reading.